0: Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of Christ. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast. I'm very glad that you are here whenever you are here listening to this. It's July 3rd, Independence Day Eve, and I'm coming to you once again from my favorite place, back patio, back porch called Serenity Place or Shalom Place. Uh, you might hear a lawnmower in the background, as well as other outdoor sounds. And I'm glad you're here to hear from me how I experienced the holy presence of Christ yesterday when I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to that presence. So, I have to say that I believe very strongly that my Christian faith is political. What I mean by this is that politics means engagement in the world, engagement in our social world, the world that we make collectively. Now I don't believe that it is partisan, which means that one political party or one political ideology uh, inherently always is what God wants us to follow even though this gets blurred I think a lot in our world today. We are called, as people of faith, to be engaged in the world whenever and wherever injustice is happening, especially when it is being done collectively in our name, in our nation's um, name, but we don't necessarily have to be political or part, excuse me, partisan about that. I am angered today and so frustrated with what is happening on our southern border. And yesterday, I took action. My son and I went out and participated in two rallies to hashtag close the camps. And I'll tell you a little bit about the rallies and how I experienced God's presence in a moment. But before that, I wanna put this into context. Now, I know the listener has probably hopefully been following the news and the photos and the images that are coming out of the camp. And the side of this issue, and this is the side that is supported by the president and his defenders, is that, well, these images don't show the whole picture and they're uh, trying to put doubt on what is happening there. But today, just today, Wednesday, July 3rd, the DHS, Department of Homeland Security's own Inspector General, this is the internal watchdog that different government agencies have. The Inspector General said in a report released today, and I'm quoting this from Newsweek Online today, Quote, immediate action is needed to address squalid conditions in migrant detention centers on the border. The Newsweek article goes on to say, General Jennifer Costello, this is the Inspector General. Quote, specifically, we encourage DHS to take immediate steps to alleviate dangerous and overcrowding and prolonged detentions of children and adults in the Rio Grande Valley she goes on in one facility some single adults were held in standing room only conditions for a week and at another some single adults were held more than a month in overcrowded cells we are concerned that overcrowding and prolonged detention represent an immediate risk to the health and safety of DHS officers and to those detained I think it's interesting and that's end quote I think it's interesting and significant that the inspector general is saying that DHS officers are at risk as well as those detained. And one of those DHS senior managers said to the inspector general, the situation is, quote, a ticking time bomb. Now, this is the government itself putting this report out. This cannot be disputed by those who wish to defend this action and this continued action in the name of the United States run by the United States. But I'm a citizen as well as a person of faith. And yesterday, my son and I went out to a march, two of them, as a matter of fact, unfortunately, we had to travel more than an hour, about 90 minutes to get to these marches because our own hometown of Columbus either did not have a march or did not publicize the march well enough for us to find out, but that was all right. It was a good little road trip with my son, who is going to be going off to college in a matter of weeks, and it was a very nice day to spend with him. So that in and of itself was wonderful and and an experience of God's presence. So our first part of the protest, the first march we went to, was at the steps of the congressman who represents Dayton. Now, I don't know his name. Dayton, Ohio is not my congressional district, but he's a Republican. I guess he was the former mayor of Dayton. And it was a gathering of maybe 75 people at its high point. And the idea was to send a letter, hand deliver a letter to the congressman saying that the camps, that the conditions must be addressed immediately and that ultimately these camps must be closed. And a group of people wanted to go in to hand the congressman the letter. Uh, The uh, person who was the gatekeeper at the door said only a couple could go in. And I was very proud and very pleased that my son was one of the ones who was interested and invited to go in. So apparently the uh, congressman was not there. They delivered it to one of his aides. And uh, that was that. So that was the first part of the day. We had some time to fill, so we went to Barnes & Noble, cool place to hang out always, and uh, my son lost himself in books that he loves, and I lost myself in watching on my phone the US women defeat England in a very exciting soccer match. A rainstorm passed through, but it cleared up in time for us to go north of Dayton to a fairly large suburb, I guess, but bordering rural Troy, Ohio. And I'm really glad we went to this second rally because it was more intimate, there were fewer people, and there were people there who had stories to tell. Now this rally was across from a shopping area, little tiny office park, and the congressman who represents this district that was where his office was. And by this time it was six o'clock. His office was closed. And um, it was interesting because the woman who organized the march, uh, apparently she has a reputation with this particular congressman of being a, uh, you know, a person who's been a thorn in his side and uh, about this issue and about other issues. And I think that's a good thing to be. And he's a Republican as well, representing a primarily rural Ohio district. And what was remarkable about this particular march, it wasn't really a march, it was standing on the corner with signs, seeing people come by honking, some supporting us, others yelling at us and cursing at us. There were two people though who spoke that I really felt God's presence in for different reasons. The first was a gentleman named Adam who, Had come recently from the border. He had been there in these detention centers in Tijuana, New in Tijuana, Mexico. And I talked to him a little bit myself. And I actually had taken a group of students to Tijuana back in the mid nineteen nineties as part of a mission, cultural immersion type of trip. And we were able to you know share notes a little bit. So that was great. But he had been there, and he brought messages and brought gifts actually from these centers and was able to describe to us some of the conditions and what he also did that i thought was really wonderful was he sent he took video of us um, and actually some video of me talking about faith and this issue and said that this would be a sign and a message and a gift of hope to those who think those children and those adults who think that Americans hate them and Americans despise them. Well, we don't. I don't. And the people I gathered with don't. And hopefully you, dear listener, don't. And others don't. Who might You might know. But he was sending these to them. And I'm grateful for that. And certainly God's presence is in the midst of that gift and in the midst of this young man, Adam, and his friend who played a guitar and sang and also his journeying um, with these um, refugees, these migrants. But Adam wasn't the only person I talked to and we had a little counter protest show up three, uh, four high school looking, maybe young college looking white guys who stood across the street from us with some really ridiculous and also offensive signs. And um, it was funny because the aforementioned guitarist went over and uh, sang to them, serenaded them until they uh, left. Um, but they weren't the interesting folks, really. It was a, another young white man who came over by himself in his car and parked and um, started talking to us and, and listening. And and, um, and it was, I, I commend him. And I did commend, I commended him personally. But I felt God's presence in his passion for being involved because he is politically engaged and involved. That was clear for his passion and boldness and coming by himself and coming peacefully and coming, I think with a sense of curiosity to listen and to hear Now, he did get into a bit of debate and discussion, and it didn't get heated. Some of the other people that I was there protesting with were trying to convince him, and he was saying, you know, quoting things that weren't, you know, very necessarily accurate and trying to, you know, it was was clear he was coming for a perspective, and he did have a red MAGA hat on. Now, he did keep it backwards, so we, you know, weren't being forced to look at that um, uh, statement um, and, um, but I commended him for that. And, and I felt Christ's presence because I noticed he parked his car right next to us. And I noticed he had a rosary hanging from his rear view mirror, like many folks do. And, um, after the debate and discussion with some of the other, um, folks who were there, um, with me with the hashtag close the camps signs, um, I asked him, I said, um, Are you Catholic? I noticed the rosary. And he says, well, you know, I was raised Catholic, but I've kind of fallen away from that. And I said, I understood. And I said, you know, know, Jesus was very much engaged in welcoming the outsider. And I said, there's even a story where it seems, it appears, that Jesus was changed by the faith and desire of someone whom Jesus actually kind of insults, if you read the story carefully. This is the Syrophoenician woman who comes to Jesus begging that Jesus heal her child. And um, I'm not going to go into the details. I did tell the story a little bit to this young man. I think his name was Nate, but I'm not exactly sure. But I, um, I told him this, and he seemed to ponder it, and he seemed to really not be able to reject it. This is Jesus doing it. And I said, there's other examples of Jesus welcoming the other. And I think what I learned from this and what I want to conclude with is, you know, Nate, I think was his name, was very much once we got past all of the rhetoric and the politics and the blah, 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 he was concerned. He said, you know, I see these kids and I see this and I'm concerned, but I don't know what to do. But he kept saying, but they're illegal. They're illegal. They need to come to this country legally and legally, legally, legally. And what I guess it struck me was the sense of privilege that all of us operate out of. All of us who were protesting there, even the—you the, know this, this young man who was talking to us. That none of us, and I, I, I don't know... I can't say none of us. I know myself personally and and maybe you as well, dear listener, have never gotten to a place of such desperation where life itself for us and for our loved ones depended on fleeing and going and breaking laws. Not because we were bad people or not because we didn't know the laws or discarded the laws or wanted to spite people, but because that was the only way to survive. And I think when people get that desperate, and that's the only reason why these folks are coming, these families who are seeking asylum in this country, coming from countries that are absolutely devastated, where they have no chance for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which let's remember that our Declaration of Independence that we're celebrating this day, today and tomorrow, says all men, all humans, let's change that, All humans have an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And these folks, these families, these children and men and women don't have that. And they're fleeing and they're seeking a better life. And that's all. And I think when people are that desperate, when we're seeing that, we just have to respond with compassion and care and honor the human dignity that is there. And I am so angry that tomorrow the President, who has ignored this, is flying jets and tanks and spending millions, at least two and a half million dollars, to say how great he has made America when we are doing something so shameful that our own Inspector General of America says is a ticking time bomb. But I'm grateful that my son and I got to do something. We met people, we talked to people, we listened to people, we connected with people, and Christ was present in the midst of that. And I am inspired by the founding fathers and mothers of this nation who died and who gave their lives, whether it was in 1776 or in 1966 in the civil rights movement, who stood up for what was right and I'm grateful that I got a chance and my son and I both together got a chance to do a little bit of that yesterday so dear listener I apologize for this being extra long but thank you for listening to this point please share this with others please find ways to speak out and stand up and do what is right and just in this situation children and others Human beings are suffering at the hands of our governmental leaders. Pray for them, but prayers are not enough. Act, speak out, and be Christ's presence in the world for them. As always, thank you so much for listening. Blessings and peace.